This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 102, Clean Mind, Clean Body. Are you someone that's busy? You're maybe looking to get it all done, or you are having to make choices, but either way, you would like to feel better in that process? If that's you, today's episode is for you. For today's episode, I sat down with Tara Stiles. Not only is Tara an internationally renowned yoga teacher, she's a wellness expert, a best-selling author, and the founder of Strala Yoga, which is a combination of yoga, tai chi, and traditional Chinese and Japanese medicine. Tara's best-selling books have been featured in the New York Times, Vogue, Elle, Harper Bazaar, InStyle, Esquire, and Shape magazine. And her work has been used in case studies by Harvard University. She is a sought-after speaker on topics of entrepreneurship, health, and well-being, and she has lectured at many venues, including Harvard and New York University. She's been working with the Alliance for a Healthier Generation, which is an initiative with the American Heart Association and the Clinton Foundation that combats childhood obesity. Today, we sat down to talk about her latest and newest book, Clean Mind, Clean Body, a 28-day plan for physical, mental, and spiritual self-care. But before we get to today's episode, I want to remind you of a few things. Number one, I'm leading a yoga retreat in Mexico this coming November. There's still a few spots left, so find the link in the show notes if you want more info or you'd like to jump in with us. Number two, in parallel, I have launched a GoFundMe campaign to raise money to create scholarships for this retreat so I can offer spaces for people that couldn't afford to come otherwise. So I encourage you to donate if you're in a position to do so, to apply if you need to, or to just share that GoFundMe campaign with people you love so more people can have access to it. Number three, we have a premium membership here on the podcast. If you'd like to get access to it, to see the video format of our regular episodes or to have the extra audio and video content or even log into our class library, all you need to do is visit withribbon.com slash you slash Erica Belanger. And of course, you'll find that link in the show notes as well. Number four, I have loved so much reading your takeaways on your favorite episodes during our 100th episode giveaway that I wanted to start a new thing for you or with you so all of us can read each other's takeaways. So when you listen to this episode or any episode, I would love for you to take a screenshot on your phone, write one takeaway from the episode, one thing you've learned, one thing you've enjoyed, or one question that has risen for you, and then share it on a IG story or an Instagram post, making sure to tag at on and off your mat podcast, not only to make sure that I see it, but that I can reshare it. And so everybody in our community can read each other's takeaways and lessons and in that way we can go deeper together into the content of each episode and maybe learn from new perspective or new experiences so really growing together as a community and that makes me really excited i can't wait to read your takeaways on a regular base and share them with other people all right let's get to our episode of today with tara styles Hey, how are you? It's so great to see you. Thanks for having me here. Such a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. To get us started, would you, for people that don't know you very well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your yoga journey? Sure. Gosh, well, I grew up in a small town in Illinois, and uh, my parents had this kind of um, 
passive solar home and uh, kind of living with not a lot of money, but doing the yoga things like gardening and kind of sitting on the floor. So I hated it, of course, and wanted to get as far away as possible <laughs> to New York classic. City and classic, right? And I, I studied dance and I really wanted to use my body in that way and express myself through dance and storytelling and just love that. Um, but I also love what dance is connection with, with the people, with the audience and with the people that I was dancing with, that was kind of my favorite part. So it took me a long time to figure out, um, that what my parents were kind of doing naturally and what I loved about dance was a lot of the elements of yoga. <laughs> and then I felt like a complete, you know, fool for not figuring it out sooner, but I got lucky in my dance program, my ballet teacher, uh, Roy Foster was an American ballet theater in New York in the 70s. And that's kind of when his experience of yoga started. He was practicing yoga and it was kind of one of those big waves of yoga in America. So he brought in yoga to our program, which at that time was still pretty new to, to bring it in for recovery and stress reduction for dancers. And um, I remember coming into that class and seeing the yoga instructor sit on the floor and just completely remind me of everything that my parents were doing and everything mm. that I felt inside that I wasn't able to express or connect with anybody. And he just seemed happy for no reason. And I thought, this is what I want. <laughs> like, you know, this is it. Who doesn't? And, you know, I had no idea that that was a job or even a practice that I could continually do forever for myself. But, you know, once I started taking this class, it was just once a week. My ballet teacher saw that I was really into it. You know, I would kind of hang around and stare at him and I would just be really strange about it. You know, I was a kid. So um, he brought me the book Autobiography of a Yogi. And I thought, you know, what is this? There's people who do this. What's going on? You know, and I just I didn't know it wasn't yoga wasn't kind of everywhere it is now back then. Yeah. So, you know, I read the book, went to the place on the back of the book, you know, saved up some money, <laughs> went there and it was just kind of an open ashram thing. You know, I saw people staring at big koi fish. I thought, wow, everybody's so calm and relaxed. And, you know, how is this not just everywhere in life? So mm. that was kind of my big feeling-based introduction into yoga. And then I kind of kept looking for those places, looking for those teachers. And back then it was still kind of like in the back of a deli somewhere, there might be some person like sharing about yoga <laughs> or you might meet somebody on the street that would pull you over and tell you something about your aura, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I thought all of those things were amazing, but also sometimes confusing and sometimes strange to me. And I was trying to find the safety within that, like, where are the safe people who do yoga, <laughs> you know? So I thought, okay, this is amazing. But, you know, where is it? And, um, you know, so I moved to New York, was dancing, learning more. And uh, at that time, there was the first yoga teacher training that I was aware of. It was my friend, Amy Impolity. I was going to her class at Crunch Gym and she literally handed me a flyer and I was 21 years old. And she said, you should come to this yoga teacher training program. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> no idea, because again, it still wasn't you know, a big thing everywhere. There weren't even really studios in New York at that time. There was the older ones like Shivananda and some Kundalini stuff, but there wasn't kind of, you know, yoga everywhere. Mainstream like it so, is today. Yeah. Like it is today. So, you know, I went to this uh, program of hers and, you know, I still didn't feel like it completely 
made sense for me what I would do with my life. You know, I was 20 years younger than everybody else in the program. People were kind of coming into it from having done a lot of other things and ready to bring their maturity to it. So I felt like, you know, the punk kid that was kind of just, you know, a little bit wayward and (laughs) really interested, but not really quite figuring out, you know, if I'm going to do anything of this to share, or if this is just something for myself. So, you know, I kind of put it away for a while and, uh, you know, the more I was talking to my friends and just people that I would meet, you know, I'm so interested in yoga. I would just ask everybody, oh, do you do yoga? <laughs> you know, people would say, no, that's strange. That's weird. And I loved yoga. And I was starting to develop this, this kind of more practical understanding of it. So I would always be kind of sharing these, I guess what you would call, you know, mini one-on-one sessions with strangers. <laughs> you know, Let me that I would just yeah, that I would just meet anywhere and I say, oh, you, what's going on? How are you feeling? Oh, I'm stressed. My back hurts. My dog died, whatever. Like I'd hear the country Western song and, you know, I would come in so eager and say, oh, well, yoga can help. You know, it's not going to solve your problems, but it can help you feel better. And I would start to put together little uh, mini routines and help people connect with themselves and find a way to make it feel like them. And then after we would do our little mini impromptu session, you know, they would always say something like, wow, I feel better. And I didn't know that yoga could do this for me. I thought yoga was something different, something outside of me, something not for me. So that experience just started to happen over and over so much that it became like a big joke in my life to me. Like I was the only one that knew about this joke. (laughs) So I thought, okay, I, you know, I, I really enjoy this. Maybe I should give this a try, you know, not again, not for a career to to have a job. I had jobs dancing and doing things like that, but I just started a, a free class in Central Park and literally like made a sign with fabric and sewed it up together and just said, anybody that wants to come can come and I'll share yoga in this way. That's easygoing. That feels like you. And, you know, I had all these ideas like that and, and people came and people enjoyed it. And, you know, the winter months started to come and I said, okay, maybe we can move this into my apartment. <laughs> you know, So we moved it in there and I think like like so many things and so many people that find something that they really enjoy, one thing that just started leading to another and it just, you know, took over my life rather quickly, you know, once mm-hmm. I brought it inside, literally indoors and also inside myself and just accepted that this was enjoyable and fulfilling for me. Mm-hmm. And you just released this new book, uh, Clean Mind, Clean Body. I have it here if you're watching on video, 28-Day Plan for Physical, Mental, and Spiritual Self-Care. So that makes me think, like, why a detox or a self-care book and why now? Like, already at that point, you're like, it took over my life. Is there something in your life at the moment of writing the book that prompt you for the need for to talk about this? Oh, yeah. So you know, so much time has gone on since that, you know, starting yoga and in indoors. And now, you know, yoga started to become more everywhere. And also wellness became a word. Wellness wasn't a word even 10, 15 years ago, at least in the way it's used now, it sort of became this product in this way. And, you know, I started to see just like back then, my friends and people that I would meet stressed out and, you know, I'd say, oh, yoga can help you feel better. I started to see more friends and strangers coming to the studio stressed out because they were doing 15 wellness things and none of them were working. (laughs) I thought, okay, this is like part two of what happened before. And because it's everywhere, you can 
literally go and get a green juice and go to a yoga class and go to, you know, the gym. And then, you know, and then you have to, of course, document it on social media, which is still pretty new. And that adds a whole other stress. So you feel a lot of people feel that pressure, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and we're doing 20 things in one day and not allowing ourselves to let it feel like us again. So, you know, I kind of was thinking about it for a long time. And again, seeing how the benefits of yoga and a lot of these East East Asian practices that are becoming more popular. And I, of course, was becoming interested just like everybody else, um, how we kind of hurry through them. And then they, then they actually don't feel like us and they're amazing. And we're amazing. If we can just kind of have a little bit of a dance about it, slow down and do these things in a way that feel like us as well, then, then we do get the benefits. So it was really kind of a uh, wanting to continue the conversation of this fast wellness idea into more of a, okay, let's, we all want to feel better. So maybe we can just start talking about it and help each other slow down and do these things again. There's nothing new to do, but maybe there's a Mm. new way to slow down and have them feel more like us. I see a theme here between whether when you started to teach yoga in this book, where both of those are about taking something that exists out there, but making it your own or making it so it fits your lifestyles, your need in a way. Is that accurate? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think that was my big kind of hiccup with yoga in the beginning my first experience in that class was, wow, this is all inside. This is amazing. And there's also all of these things that I can learn forever in order to get better at that. Mm -hmm. But then I would kind of finish the class and go out into the world and not figure out ways or people to help connect that to myself. You know, things started to, uh, I guess it started to become easier to just, you know, whether it's, there's the word cultural appropriate now where, you know, I would go to yoga class, there'd be 20, women from New York city. And then after the class, they would go to little India and buy saris and little Buddha statues and things. And I'm like, Oh, is this what we do? <laughs> is, this, is this how we feel better? Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, let me know. So it was sort of like, is that what makes me know, a yogi? A of, yeah. A lot of the outside stuff of it, a lot of the costumes and the performance, and maybe a lot of those things can help us connect in a way, but you know, it was, it was kind of confusing to me, honestly, a lot of the exterior postures of it and the performance aspect of it, even, even saying the words in Sanskrit, you know, uh, in a pointed way, like Chaturanga, you know, and I'd be like, Oh, (laughs) you know, like that feels, that sounds different than it feels. And maybe I'm not the only one that feels that disconnect. So, you know, I think these practices are incredible and amazing. We all know that. And, and really every book that I've ever read you know, from Autobiography of a Yogi, all the older books somewhere in there say that it needs to feel like you. And I feel like the kind of what we get pressure on, whether it's from the outside in or the inside out is, oh, it's not like me. It's like these other people and I'll never be good enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have to fit in or I have to, you know, when I do these five poses, I'll be better. When, you know, when I impress that teacher, I'll be better, you know, whatever that outside in thing is. So. Mm -hmm. Did you choose the practices in the book based on your own life practices? Is that where you started from what feels good to you? And then you expanded on this? Yeah, a bit of my own personal practice, but also, I guess, you know, having studio for 10 years and kind of seeing how taking the form of yoga and moving in a way where it helps people feel better, you know, how to organize those sequences in a way that 
you know, work for most people, making it about the process instead of the goal. Um, you know, also kind of touching on the basic practices that all kind of go together. But again, we separate like Tai Chi and Shiatsu and Ayurveda and yoga. It's sort of like a big family. Mm -hmm. Really, you know, Shiatsu for me has always been how uh, I would like to approach somebody when it comes to touch instead of pushing and manipulating. You know, if you come and you bring your whole self and you, whether you have your hands on somebody or an elbow, or you're just two feet away, you're still in a, in a connection, you're still in a good relationship. So you know, that has so much to say about physical touch and connection, same as Tai Chi has so much to say about how we can move ourselves in an easy way, you know, from pose to pose, movement to movement. So we're not kind of getting too lost on the end point of a rigid pose as the goal. And, you know, the more I just started reading and looking and studying myself, the more I think so many people have the same experience. You see everything being connected in this way and how, you know, we all can benefit from these practices that were, you know, discovered and uncovered thousands of years ago. They're still completely relevant. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that in the movement section of the book, you talked about Chatsu and, and um, Tai Chi, because I also know it influences the way you teach yoga, but can we go a little bit more into the qualities of Tai Chi and how bringing this in our physical practice, whether it's yoga or any other movement or even our everyday movement can have an impact on the way we move? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, from my kind of um, unskilled idea about yoga in the beginning, it was always like, why is the pose the goal? I was always confused about that. <laughs> You know, especially coming from a dance background, it's like, well, I can do that pose. It doesn't mean that I'm a calm person now just because my body can do that. You especially know, like, coming from a dance background. Yeah, there seem to be like, I look like I'm really good at yoga, but I'm not quite sure if that's true. Mm. So, you know, learning more about Tai Chi and and how to move every single moment along the way, I learned so much about kind of the reality of alignment, moving in alignment all of the time, not just getting into a pose and then kind of fixing the pose or being happy when something happens in your life and then adjusting yourself to kind of get there. I started to see all these comparisons between my own life and how I was practicing yoga. So I started to kind of really get into the, the philosophy and also the physicality of Tai Chi, the idea of softness. And really it's so easy in yoga to forget about softness and only do it when you're like, lying down at the end, you know, or something, <laughs> you yeah. know, when you can really be in a warrior too and softness according to Tai Chi and really, you know, all of the, you know, secrets of the universe, however corny that sounds is, is the, the quality that makes anything possible. So without softness, you can't move. It's not that there's softness and then there's strength. It's sort of softness is what makes movability possible, what makes strength possible. And then I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, I can, I can do more if I'm not rigid. I can, I can achieve more if I'm moving with my breath. I can, I can look at the class beginning, you know, as I crawl down to the ground before I start sitting and breathing, you know, I can look at if I'm leading the class from the moment I walk into the room, how I move myself around everybody, you know, that's kind of a Tai Chi thing. You can think about that that contact and that relationship and how you're really informing somebody else to move around you by the way you move around somebody. And I was like, Oh, there's like, everything is everything. And, and everything <laughs> just seemed to be Tai Chi for me at that point. And really just becomes super fun. Like standing in line at the grocery store, you know, instead of 
just thinking or scrolling or whatever, bending my knees a little bit, moving from my middle a little bit, breathing, and then noticing the three people around me actually relax. And I'm not like teaching them Tai Chi. <laughs> it just yeah. happens. <laughs> so I thought this is so cool. And, you know, I, I really wanted to continue to share that in the reality of sharing yoga and the kind of context about that, but also just talk about it in general. So, you know, so we can help each other feel better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I want to talk more about the body, but I want to take a step back because in the book, you make this conscious choice of not starting with the body. And I think mm. that's interesting because nowadays we generally go with the body is like that entry door, right? It's like the give me the foods, give me the pill, give me the one quick fix through the body. But I'm sure it was a conscious choice to start with the mind. And even in the title, it's, you know, clean mind, clean body. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to ask you, why start there? And even you do mind spirit before you get to body. So why that choice? And what does it matter? And how does it recoil then into our bodies? Oh gosh. Well, you know, I, I just think that's the reality, you know, we can, you can try to do it the other way, but it, it's kind of like square peg in a round hole kind of a thing. You know, you're just like in Tai Chi, the breath begins, the body follows, you know, so our bodies are following everything that we do, <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, that's what's happening. You mm -hmm. know, whether you think about you know, just your health and your wellness, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're eating, your body is just responding to you, you know, and it's, and I love that the body is important and our body is important, but, you know, we have to get into the mind first. We have to deal with our spirit first. I mean, we don't have to, but when we do, oh my gosh, it's so much easier. Everything, yeah. you know, aligns a lot better. So much better. It's so much better. And, and also, you know, maybe there's something in there that can help with our superficiality issues, whether it's, you know, body issues or, you know, not wanting our body issues or, you know, in yoga, I remember back in the nineties, I would go to classes and the teacher would say, you're not your body. And I'm thinking, well, that's true, but I have this thing. <laughs> you know? so, I'm still stuck you know, with it I, right now. I'm stuck with it. So, and I, you know, I'd see my friends in yoga take that to really extreme places and kind of disassociate with their bodies. And then also see friends, you know, have eating disorders or have, you know, just insecurities or, you know, the whole gamut of, you know, our problems with this and, you know, just really see that, you know, there's, there's something we can do with it. We, we can just get into our mind, get into the spirit and then, okay, it's here, you know, I'm going to, work with this. I'm going to be in this. This is who I am. This is part of me. I'm, of course, I'm not my arm, but like, it's still here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Tai Chi says, instead of flexing it in the middle of a warrior two, I can relax and move a little bit. And that, that helps me feel so much more connected to, to everything else in life. And then I can kind of move around, you know, in myself and, and feel, feel good about who I am at mm -hmm. least as best as, as possible. So what does it mean or what does it look for you to have a clean mind? Oh gosh. Well, for me, it's, it's this idea of, I'm not uh, panicked. <laughs> I guess that's a like a personal thing. It's I'm not walking around or living with a constant state of panic, you know? And I think the, the, the common thing with, you know, the stress about meditation is, you know, we have to have no thoughts, you know? And of course, anybody that practices meditation for a while and kind of gets to the other side of that, 
you know, we all realize, okay, I have a thought, the choices to come back to my breath, the choices, grab my hand, like I'm a small kid say, no, 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 come on back. It's okay. You did it again. Oh no, don't touch the stove. Come back, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> it's okay. Like constantly having that, you know, compassion with yourself. So, you know, for me, the idea of a clean mind is that feeling of, oh, I just got out of the shower. I feel clean but it's in my mind and, you know, everything's okay. It's not that there's one fixed goal. It's that, you know, I feel fresh in that way. So it's a mix of the quality of the thoughts. I hear like compassion in your thoughts and also like slowing down, right? It's like going away from the ping pong and the (laughs) aggressive version of ping pong too. (laughs) Would you say that's correct for you? Yeah, exactly. I think that, you know, I was just talking to a new friend about, meditation and he was kind of nervous about it and and a really religious person too. And I think that had a lot of the fear in it. And then I'm thinking, well, you know, you don't have to worry about something that's going to happen when you turn your thoughts off. It's just noticing, actually paying attention to yourself. And I think that's a lot of people's Mm. fear. Like what, what happens if I notice what I'm thinking? What happens if I stop doing that and notice this? And there's a lot of you know, a lifetime's worth of don't go in there. You know, that's like the the room you don't go in. <laughs> that door is locked. <laughs> yeah. Because once you so notice, I, you feel responsibility to do something about it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's uncomfortable. What's so great about this. I mean, that's the transformation. That's, oh my gosh, I'm thinking that way, or I'm this way, or this actually, this thing that I'm doing in my life isn't good for me, or this relationship isn't good for me, or this job isn't good for me. And then that's, of course, that's where the resistance comes in because, you know, you're just going along and you're surviving through something you set up in your life that is bad, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, when you go in that locked room, then, you know, you see everybody. <laughs> <laughs> totally. What are some practices that you do or that, you know, one of your favorite from the book that can help listeners to clear their mind or to keep them a little cleaner on a regular base? Oh gosh. Yeah. For me, it's, it's that simple act of not just meditating, but getting down to the ground. And, you know, a lot of people feel strange about that. So I think you can just get down to a chair or two, but eventually just kind of crawling your way down yourself is so nice Mm. for so many reasons, you know, because we're just so used to being in the chair and then you know, you get to be 70 years old and then you can't get out of the chair. You can't get down to the ground, all of those things. So I think just for the, not just the physical movability, but physical movability leads to emotional connection. So it's sort of kind of seeing how everything's in conversation with everything else. So for me, it's getting down to the ground, <sighs> slowing down, softening and watching my breath start to not just come in and out, but this real big kind of like a Tai Chi feeling that that's always talked about, but really that experience that we all have when we actually slow down and let our breath move us. It's that feeling of we're going out and we're going in and it's like, holy cow, (laughs) I'm not just going up and down or I'm not breathing in, Mm. you know, through my belly and breathing out. It's this real big, you know, circular feeling. So for me, if I can get down on the ground or down in a chair and do that, or if I'm standing in line somewhere, same kind of thing, that kind of everyday practice of doing that you know, as much as possible. And that doesn't need to be, at least for me, inside of a 90 minute yoga class or a 30 minute practice or whatever that can be, you know, five minutes in the morning before everybody wakes up or, 
you know, I just close the bathroom door and get down on the ground for a moment <laughs> or whatever, wherever that is. And even in conversation with somebody, you know, I can be sitting there talking to, uh, you know, my uncle or aunt, if they're saying things and I'm just like, okay, I'm spaced out a little bit now, <sighs> roll around. I do this. And then I notice, oh, I'm more present. now. <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> I can yeah. connect more in this way. So I think that's such a, a big, a big thing that we all can do. Mm -hmm. And we're also taking this and moving into that spiritual reset. What's the layer we add for this to become more of a spiritual self-care? Gosh, I feel like that's also one of those locked doors. You know, it's sort of like, well, this is my idea about spirituality. I'm just going to put it in the closet, lock the door and like, wait till I'm dead to see if it's true. <laughs> you know, I think so many people are, and we all have a version of that too. It's sort of like, that's the part of me that's locked off, you know, whether it's your mind, your body, your spirit, it's sort of you know, one, one, one place is definitely in, in the closet a little bit, but I love the idea that you can think about, you know, your connection with yourself, your connection with others, how you want to feel, making feeling-based goals. And, you know, what I love about a universal practice of spirituality is it should sort of enforce whatever your beliefs are. If your beliefs are being good for you in your life. If your beliefs are, you know, making you more productive and more calm and more connected. Um, I think there's no problem with that. I love, you know, maybe it was just because being in New York for so long, but in the studio, it always sounded like the beginning of a dirty joke. You know, we'd have like a rabbi, a nun and a professor all walk into the yoga studio and they all have a spiritual experience because, you know, when you're practicing yoga, you don't need to have a layer of this is what you should believe spiritually, but there's a big process that connects you with yourself. And then if you're in a good place with that, then it enforces and it kind of, you know, backs up your beliefs and it, it makes you a better person. And, you know, all of those hopefully universal things that, you know, our, our spiritual <laughs> world can, you know, connect us with, you know, be good to yourself, be good to others, do the best you can you know, <laughs> all of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And that feeling good, um, like the goal based on how you feel is so interesting because it will move, mm. right? It's not rigid in a way. And it's also asking you to be aware, to be present, to be connected. And I think that's really interesting. I find that With COVID this year and people working more on the computer than they might have had in the past or like staying in their homes, there's this challenge to balance our life and technology in a way that what I've noticed for myself is asking myself, like, is this practice where I'm using technology right now, is this actually making me feel better? Is this a practice of self-care or am I, like you were mentioning, dissociating? Am I disconnecting? Am I using this to shut down? Or am I actually trying to feel better? And I think it's super interesting when we use technology so much to be able to feel that difference between the two and to choose how we use technology to take care of ourselves. Oh, well, I'm glad you have a podcast because that's like the big thing that everybody needs to figure out right now. So you just said that. That's great. Because it can be so easy, like you just said, better than I could ever say, to just go through the motions and you know, uh, go down a bad path and it's just, it's right there, especially right now. Sweet. And yeah, the feeling based goals, I know for me, you know, started before technology was in the place now and it's always 
challenged me to, to change. And also, you know, that kind of getting used to the fact that, you know, if you're, if you're noticing how you feel and making changes based on feeling better and being a better person, your life is going to change like so often. It's not going to be, okay, I'm going to do this. And that's going to be it forever. You know, yeah, maybe there's slight the very... box and be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, you know, in a way scary because, you know, it's, it's hard to change. It's hard to think about your life changing or even making simple changes. Like, like you were saying, using social media less or using it in a way, you know, that nourishes you instead of depletes you and really being honest with yourself of your own habits. So it's kind of those simple changes that we can do that, you know, are maybe confrontational to ourselves as well. Like, oh, I'm doing this again. Am I going to notice I'm doing it again and have compassion with myself and say, cut it out? <laughs> or am I just going to yeah. keep doing it because I'm getting that, you know, temporary satisfaction? Yeah. And just getting to know the difference between that temporary satisfaction that comes from the disconnect versus the intention of feeling better. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think that's, that what the the feeling better is the good stuff too and we all want that you know it's sort of kind of getting back to that practice of 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 doing that and then you know it's just things can be a lot better once we once we notice how we feel i mean i i think that's kind of the reason why i think about this stuff so much is because it's so easy to desensitize and then you know even go through a whole yoga practice just because you do yoga all the time and not notice how you're feeling and noticing yourself doing that yoga practice. And once you allow yourself to get comfortable with, okay, I'm here, I'm doing this thing. That's not selfish. You know, we're, we're told, okay, you just do the thing, just get it done. You know, drink the water, take care of the family, whatever it is, you know, take care of yourself at the end of the day. But when you notice that you're essential to that, then, you know, you can do a better job. Things feel better for you. And that's a good thing for others as well. And I think that's still, you know, so much of a challenge because, you know, we've all been looking at billboards that say the opposite our whole life so far, you know, it's kind of just starting to change. And we've all also had maybe a lot of that messaging coming from the inside too. Mm -hmm. So coming back to the body, then how do we feel better using Let's start with food. How do we use food to feel better and stay connected with what we need and stay aware and stay present with that and not just take on whatever is being told that we should be doing? <laughs> well, I think that's why I really loved getting into the mind and getting into the spirit first and even the, the body and then the food um, because it's so simple. You know, I think food is, it's complicated because the options are complicated now, but we all know. We make it so complicated. Stupid. It's so complicated, but nobody, nobody knows. Nobody doesn't know what they should be eating. <laughs> you know, my friend um, uh, uh, did this documentary, uh, Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. And um, Joe Cross, great guy from Australia. And he did this juice fast. And then he went around the world to share about green juice. And this was like 25 yeah. years ago and it was still kind of new, you know, <laughs> and he went around and he talked to all of these um, communities that had problems with food and health and disease and all this stuff. And his big lesson was people are not stupid. People, <laughs> people know that they should be eating more plants and less processed food, but it's stress, it's environment, it's, it's being disconnected. So, you know, for, for so many of us, if we practice slowing down, noticing how we feel, taking good care of ourselves, 
you know, we're going to go to the farmer's market more than we're going to go to the big box stores. And when we go to the big box grocery stores, you know, I mean, Michael Pollan laid it out so well, just stay to the outside edges as much as you can, <laughs> you know, like life's hard. Just like, don't go in there, <laughs> you know, stay away from the boxes of everything as much as you can. And, and, you know, it's a war zone, of course, because it's, it's, it's so complicated and all those colors and those smells, and we all know this stuff, but, you know, the more we feel better, the more I feel like we're strong and we're capable and it, and it becomes, you know, an adventure to try to beat the system in a way to try to go out and, okay, I have the immunity now, <laughs> the physical kind of emotional immunity to, oh, okay, I'm going to go and go get some tomatoes and go get some cucumbers and get some fresh, whatever it is, and then come home and create an event because we all can do that. You know, we all can cook a little bit. We all can, can buy fresher foods, wherever we are, we can buy, you know, uh, we can figure it out, you know, on our budget, whatever the budget is on our, wherever we are in the world, you know, for most people listening, um, you know, we have the luxury of choosing what we eat in this way. Mm -hmm. And I think when we focus on these things, you know, what makes me feel good, and that includes like, digestion wise, energy levels, um, what is more fresh, what is more local, like you were talking about farmer's market area, uh, when we focus on what we can cook ourselves instead of what's boxed in, I think if we bring more of these without, you know, doing that the reverse of like I have to remove this, like this is bad, and we come into this more gentle approach to be like, let me bring in what feels better, and then naturally, not only does it come from a loving place, but you're not punishing yourself around food, mm -hmm. and you're creating that mindset that is so much more supportive for health. Oh, exactly. And, and that's so cool that that becomes the intuitive way once you start feeling better, because that's, you know, what I was learning of the, the root of Ayurveda. It says, don't take away, add, add more fresh things. And then you'll just see yourself wanting less of the things that you just don't want it anymore. You know, kind of like, you know, if you're doing something good in your life, you're going to keep doing more of that. And then the bad thing, you're just going to forget about it. <laughs> Eventually, you don't have to focus on stop doing that, stop doing that. It's more of do this, do this and enjoy and, and kind of take it from there. I mean, our, our nervous system is wired that way. If we do something that feels good, we're going to want to do that again. Right. Exactly. So if you're starting to do things that feel good, but that truly feel good and not just feel good, like we were talking, because you can shut down, because you can disconnect, but that truly your body, your mind, your spirit are like, oh, this feels good. If you listen to that, you're going to want to do more of that. There's no way around it. Yeah, it's so cool. I love that idea of when when what you want to do when doing what feels good starts to actually become what's useful for you and what's good for you. I mean, I had a friend that came to the yoga studio once and uh, she pulled me over after class and she said, Tara, you're saying, you know, from low lunge to downward dog, you know, move how it feels good to get back there. And I'm just thinking, well, I want to go home and sit on the couch. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can do this better. So you don't want to go home and sit on the couch, but I'm thinking, well, that's kind of the whole thing. If you're, if what you're doing or what you're trying to do doesn't feel good, then it does feel like a punishment. It does feel like I'm in this yoga class and I'd rather just be home, you know, spacing out or whatever, doing something that actually feels good. But when you're, you know, when you're listening to yourself, you're slowing down, you're sensitizing, you know, and I did change my language in the class after that of, you know, just, just guiding through exactly what to do. And she came back, she's like, oh yeah, I felt better that time. Like, okay, I could actually change too, <laughs> but, you know, guiding somebody more through 
step-by-step how to do it. And then knowing that that probably will help me and help the person feel good. And then that good starts to actually be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think there's so much, so much there, you know, even within wellness, you know, there seems to be all these regressions over time, like, oh, just eat the, just eat the candy bar. Cause it feels good. It's still wellness. It's like, well, yeah, if you're going to beat yourself up that much, it's probably better than just to eat it than to stress over it so much. But, you know, but, you know, I think we're all working toward a better way of matching what feels good to, to actually being good for us. It depends for what sure. you're going on, what's going on in your life in the moment. You know, like you're saying, if it's the ment, if the mental punishment is so intense on not eating that thing, then deal with that and you'll feel better. But if you're okay with like, well, I'm not, you know, craving this thing so much and restricting so much around it and having all these stories about it. When you're just feeling more neutral around it and you eat it, you might feel like actually that didn't sit super well or that was a little too much or like it's going to be another level of feeling better. It depends what's your priority and what's more urgent in your situation right now. True. Oh my gosh. You're so wise. (laughs) (laughs) So good. All right. So I want to talk about one last thing before we wrap this up. And I loved the CrossFit story in your book Mm. because I've done CrossFit before and I could totally see you and I was like I wish I would have just done that instead of throw myself around to try to match the energy of people and like feel like I belonged and I fit in this Mm. you know kind of type of class which was not my place but my question was when we bring back that idea of mindset and now we put it into exercise and movement how can we approach and we talked about it just a little bit now our yoga practice differently how can we show up to what we need and bring that in. Yeah. So I think it's just getting used to how good it feels to be good to yourself and to move well and to just know better. I mean, for me, I've been doing this for a while and, and I know better. I know if I'm rigid, I'm I'm on a bad place. I know if I'm, you know, being stressed, I'm on a bad place. I need to come back. So, so yeah, I think, you know, I, I feel it's kind of a fun thing for me to go into any situation where, you know, I see the aggressive side is like, oh, okay, I know better. I'm not going to make fun of people, but I know better for myself, for myself. Yeah. For myself. So it doesn't matter. I feel like, and it's also a great way to not feel isolated because I used to feel, and I think this is super common too. Whenever you feel like, oh, I've discovered this better way. I can't hang out with anybody anymore. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't go do anything because, you know, I'm, I'm awesome or whatever that is that sort of, you know, spiritual superiority complex. And you know, I think that can be, obviously it's, it's not good. So, you know, I got this opportunity to be in this CrossFit environment and, and, you know, I think it, people knew that I was coming in being the strange one. So I felt a little bit more confident to even in just be strange. myself. In that. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. It wasn't like, you know, coming every day of the week, but, but yeah, you know, doing, doing the moves and, and not doing them in an aggressive way, doing things in the most easiest way possible for myself and, not just mental, like getting through the hard thing and then just collapsing at the end. But, you know, what Tai Chi and what yoga shows you is to allow your breath to move you. So you can do that. If you're doing a downward dog, you can do that. If you're throwing a ball against the wall, you can do that. If you're having a tough conversation with your family member, you can do that. If you're running, you know, really, if you have a, an approach like Tai Chi, like Shiatsu, you know, like all of these things, not just in your mind, you know, in your private space, when no one's looking, I'm going to do my, my thing. And then I'm going to go back in the world and that'll last for five minutes. Then I'll be stressed out again. (laughs) But if you can find a way to, 
to make that really part of everything you do. And not in a performance, like I would be horrified if I walked to the mailbox and somebody said, oh, it looks like you're walking in a Tai Chi way, but I'm trying to walk in a Tai Chi way, you know? But, you know, we all have this idea where, you know, I wouldn't want somebody to come up with to me and say, oh, you look like you do yoga because I'm like in a stretch or something like out in public, but you can do yoga by being in yourself, by connecting with your breath, by being more aware of your environment, by, by being more like you than being more like a cartoon version of you, you know, doing yoga, like a, a comedy sketch of you, you know, being superior in that kind of way. So I think about these things a lot because it's such a good challenge to move around the world and do all of the the normal things and and see how much energy that I can save and also um, give out and feel good in the process. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> you dedicated your book to the busy person looking to do it all and yet feel better in the process. So what's your like one tip overall or what's the takeaway from today's discussion or from the book you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Oh gosh, yeah. Slowing down, I think, is the biggest lesson I've learned as a busy person, you know, as somebody who says busy is is probably good. It's just the reality of life. It's what we all are. We're all kind of equally busy. But if we can slow down, it's not about giving up or even doing less. It's about doing everything that you want to do in the best way possible. So I think there's so much fear around slowing down because we feel like, oh, someone's telling me to slow down because they don't want me to achieve as much, you know? So that's kind of a trick, you know? <laughs> but really it's not, you know, the move easy, everything you've got in every direction you can <sighs> helps you achieve more, be more aware of whatever's happening around you, feel more connected so you make better choices, better decisions. You don't give your energy to things that you don't want to put your energy into and Essentially, you can you can do more and feel better in the process by moving slowly and having that mindset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Being present to what you're doing too. Great. Uh, anything else you want to add before we finish? If there's anything we haven't talked about that was important to you to. <laughs> oh my talk gosh! Today uh, or... Oh, I just think it's it's you know having a regular practice of this, having this not just be you know something you think about. And I know I can be. I think about things a lot and I love to read a lot. And I know that, okay, I have to get down on the ground and make this part of my life. I need to, you know, walk around and see if I can do this around other people today, not in the yoga context. And Mm -hmm. when I'm leading a yoga class, I want to see how I do and how I can manage my energy. So really finding those places in your life that exist right now, whether it's meditation, yoga, or moving around in your life or having Zoom meetings like we're all having right now. And instead of getting wrapped up into the meeting with your point of view, softening, letting your breath move you and allowing yourself to participate with, with all the energy that you have. Mm -hmm. I don't think we can hear that too many times. I think every time you said it today, I took a second and be like, can I soften a little bit more? And it was like, Oh yeah, I can actually just a little bit more. And I know these things, right. But we need to be told again and again, we need to be reminded. That's what's so great. I love about the philosophy of these things. It's a lifelong practice of getting better. So you really can improve in 10 years, the next breath in 20 years, whatever it is. It's not, there's no peak in this. You can always soften more. You know, there's no, <laughs> there's no end point, which is yeah. amazing. We can all do it. We can all get better, which is cool. Yeah. 
I'll put all your info in the show notes, but in the meantime, where is the best place for people to find you if they want to talk about this more, they want to know about you or work with you in some way? Sure. Uh, you can go to terrastyles.com or astralyoga.com and we have a Strala Yoga app where we have live yoga classes every day. I love doing yoga with people every day and we have our kind of over a decade of videos and trainings and retreats and workshops and things like that there as well, but pretty easy to find in all the usual mm -hmm. internet places, except TikTok. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I'm not that brave, but I don't know. Are you on TikTok yet? I am not. I have just gotten on the reels wagon. Like that is kind of like the TikTok version of Instagram. And it took me a minute to be like, all right, I'm going to try this thing, but no, not on TikTok. <laughs> We have the holdouts. It's okay. There's enough to do. I There's, think you're you're oh a good example for that. There is plenty to do. There's plenty to do. I don't need another social media platform right now. No. True. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was a very interesting conversation, and I'm sure people will feel inspired to look at these things, at their mindset, at their body, at their you know spirit, and the way they move with what we talked about today. Cool. Thanks so much. It's great to hang out a bit. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you listen. Come and connect with us on Instagram at on and off your mat podcast. Don't forget to screenshot when you listen to this episode. You can do this right now. Write one takeaway, something you've learned or if you liked about today's episode and share it with me on Instagram so I can reshare it with our community. Visit withribbon.com slash you slash Erica Belanger if you'd like to become a premium member and get your hands on all our exclusive content here on the podcast. You can check out the show notes to find more info about our guests of today, Tara Styles, or my top five biggest takeaways from this episode. Let's see if we have similar takeaways. And before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making all of this possible. Once again, thank you for listening in. Until next time.